Well, good morning, church, and welcome to my house. Um, broadcasting to you from my shed this this uh, fine morning. Um, bit of a challenge. This is my second uh, go at delivering the message to you guys on a Sunday morning, and um, very challenging as I do it through a camera. Um, a little bit uh, scary, um, not being able to see your faces and. Uh, as I've uh, looked back on some of the images here, I've obviously pressed the delete and the re-record and the delete and the re-record. So hopefully you guys get something that's watchable and uh, that the Lord reveals to you some important principles through the scripture. Um, so let's uh, now join together and, uh, and read the word. Okay, so from chapter 2, reading from verse 11 through to 22. Therefore... Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near. Through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you who are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together and becoming a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Okay, let's try and uh, break that down. But before we do, let's just ask God to join us in this. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would illuminate your scripture to us, that uh, we would find some form of wisdom in all of this that can relate to our lives, that we can use in our daily walk. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so at the beginning of this particular passage, Paul invites us to remember or more importantly, he says, remember, don't forget. In the message, it says, don't take for granted that formerly we were outsiders. That's when I say we, non-Jews, I'm not a Jew. Um, I'm not a descendant of Israel. I'm not someone who was born into the inheritance of the nation of Israel and all of the promises that were together in the covenant that were there. Um, I'm outside of all of that. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's, he's, he's going in and he's saying, look, remember, you guys had no idea who God was. You had no idea what his covenant was. You had no idea of the promises of God. You didn't know that the Messiah was coming. 
You had no understanding. You were outside of the plan. Although ultimately we now know in hindsight that we were definitely part of the plan. All of us were definitely part of the plan. But he, he instructs us to remember, to remember where we've come from, to not forget where we've come from. Following on from what Cam was talking about, that it was Jesus that was doing the work, his grace that was doing the work, not our works, nothing that we can boast about. And Paul then says, remember, remember where you've come from, remember your position, remember who you are. But also in these verses we can see that there's a little bit of tension between non-Jews and Jews. You know, we have the Jews who have who have had God for hundreds and thousands of years. They had the temple, they had the law, they had Moses, they had the prophets, they had all of this information and relationship as well. And the the non-Jews didn't have any of that. So we've got this differentiation between the circumcised, the Jews, and the non-Jews, the uncircumcised. And we know from history that there's animosity. We know that the Jews were gathering on Saturday and honouring the Sabbath. The non-Jews were gathering on Sundays and honouring the day of resurrection of the Lord. So this is what was happening with Christians. But outside of that, inside the community, and Cam alluded to this a little bit a few weeks ago, there was animosity towards the Jews in general. And this is because their style of worship was completely different to the rest of community. So everybody else is worshipping images of their gods. They've got their idols. They've got these magnificent temples up on the hills, not really that much different from the Jews in regards to the temple, but the Jews didn't regard the temple as anything more than the place where God had his presence, but that God was beyond that temple. Whereas all of the other religions around them, these objects held their God and they worshipped so many different things. And in Ephesus in particular, we have the temple to Artemis and it's up on a hill and it's this magnificent structure and it's been there for a long time and we have people producing all of these artefacts in the city and they're selling all of these things. And this is completely different to the way that the Jews do business. The Jews don't make images of their God. In fact, they don't even speak his name. What is his name? I am that I am. It's, it's beyond them. They won't do it. So we have this, this really culturally different group of people living in all of these different places around the world and it's outside of the understanding of all of the non-Jews. They, they just can't understand it. You take a day off, a week, and you do this to honour your God. Well, that's just lazy compared to everybody else. Everybody else works seven days. You have to to survive. If you don't, you don't survive. But the Jews don't. Ludicrous. This is mental. It's about taking a year off once in every seven. That's mental. The society around them just cannot fathom how these crazy Jews go about doing this completely different thing. One God? Are you insane? You need many. You need many gods in order to be able to get through your life. You can't just do it with one. 
all of these things set them apart and just create these divisions between them. And the Jews, on the flip side of that, because of what they understand through the law, they look at everybody else with a bit of disdain. You're unclean. You can't come into our presence. We can't eat with you. We can't fellowship with you because you're unclean. If we touch you, we can't spend time with our God. This puts them into a position where they just cannot fathom the non-Jew. They don't understand them. The non-Jews don't understand the Jews. There's animosity between both sides of the party. And this starts right at the very beginning of the church. We see that. There's, there's tales in Acts chapter 15 where the Jews are trying to get the Gentiles to live by their laws and there's animosity in the church and there's division. The church has to get together and discuss these things and re-emphasize that whole grace. Grace, not by works, but by grace. We don't need to have, put these burdens upon people because we couldn't even live up to them ourselves. The Lord just shows us how inadequate we are at coming near to God. We need this Jesus. We need him, his blood, his sacrifice. That's what makes the way. So that's where we end up at the, the end of verse 12 and going into verse 13. We have Paul making this distinction. Jesus is the one thing that unifies you both. He makes peace between both sides of you. We now have to move past all of the old ways, all of the laws, all of the sacrifices, all of those things that, that we work at to get into our relationship with God. We don't need any of that. We have Jesus. It's common between us, Jew and non-Jew. So Jesus has made peace. But not only that, Paul goes on and he says that Jesus makes peace between us and God. Now that, that is a bombshell right in the middle there. Jesus makes peace between us and God. Jesus makes peace between all of us and then Jesus makes peace between us and God. And he's walking us through in this particular passage and saying this is, this is the relationship we have. Together we're in Christ. We have the one Jesus and he's making peace between us because we have that one thing in common now and he's making peace between us and God. So we don't need the laws and the covenants and all of those things that we used to do to make our way into God. We don't need that anymore because now we have Jesus. And in fact, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those things. He is the sacrifice that was needed to be made in order that we would have access to God. He replaces all of the lambs that were slaughtered, all of the bulls that were slaughtered, all of the birds that were slaughtered in order to make some kind of an atonement for our sins, for the things that we're doing wrong in our life that were taking us out of relationship with God. This is Jesus making peace between us and God, making peace between us because we have him in common. So then he goes on 
to verses 19. And he starts talking about a building, a family, that we're all part of this one united group now. And what he's talking about here is the kingdom. This is the kingdom message that Jesus preached all the way through his ministries. This family that we have is, is the kingdom of God. We are all in that one group, that one family. Here is our father, our one father that we're united with through Jesus. Verses 18 through to 19, Paul talks about, Through Jesus, we have access to the Father by one Spirit. We are no longer foreigners. The message says he treats us as equals and so made us equals. This is, what, this is the work that Jesus did. He made us equals. And we have equal access to the Father. So the Jews can't stand there and say, yeah, but we're God's chosen people because now we're all God's chosen people. We're all in Christ. So through this message, Paul is trying to unite the Jews and the Gentiles by saying, look, you're all in the same, you're all in the same boat. We're all the same. And we all have access to God through that one Jesus. We all have the same spirit that lives within us. That's where we're at when it comes to our relationship. We're all equal. There is no favoured son in this mix. We're all the same. And verses 19 through to 20, Paul starts talking about us being a family. We're all in a family together. We're in the one household and God's building this house. In fact, he's building this house into a temple to reflect his glory. So here we have this temple sitting up on the hill in Ephesus that the Ephesians would have been, and, and everybody in that region would have been well aware of. These temples reflect the glory of the God that they're worshipping. They're magnificent buildings. They're lit up at night. They can be seen for miles around. They're a place where everyone comes to worship their God, where they come to seek their God for help, for counsel. These things are magnificent. And Paul's starting to describe this very same thing about us. He's saying this is what you're being developed into. This is what you're being transformed into through Jesus. We're being turned into a temple. Temple to hold the presence of our God, which is what the Jews would have understood as the Holy of Holies. This is where God dwells amongst his people, but but this is going to be in us. We're going to be the temple, and it's going to be this magnificent thing that reflects the glory, that from all around people are going to see the glory of God. This is what we're being transformed into. This is exciting stuff, This is and this is something that they would have understood the imagery of back in the day of the Ephesians. They would have understood looking at these temples sitting up on the hill, that these things are magnificent things and they're so important to society. They're centres of all sorts of industry inside their societies. So they would have understood that this is what Paul was talking about, that you guys are going to be built into something that's going to 
be incredible. Reflect the glory of the God. You're going to be places where people are going to come to and seek God and you're going to be places where people come and they interact with God. That's what you're becoming, a temple. And we're all doing that together. That's the whole point of this passage. This passage is talking about unity. We're all doing this together. And we finish with verse 22, where Paul makes it personal. He really hones it in now and he says, You too, you too, in him, together, are being built into a dwelling place for God's spirit. That's what you're being transformed into. And it's not by your works, but it's by Jesus. This is the the transforming work that Jesus does when he comes into your life. So what are our takeaways from this? What can we consider for ourselves when we consider these particular things? Well, at the beginning of this passage, we see Paul reminding us or instructing us to remember not to forget and not to take for granted our position, where we've came from. We were without knowledge of God, now we're with knowledge of God. And we're at that point this week in reflection of Easter last week. We were sitting there thinking last week, last Friday and last Sunday, about the wondrous things that happened around the crucifixion, Christ's terrible beating, the crucifixion and his horrible death, the things that he said upon the cross, being buried and then three days later coming out of the tomb, being raised from the dead and all of that 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 means. What an incredible event that was going on a couple of thousand years ago and echoing down through the history today. Yes, it's a holiday period for us, But in amongst that, here we are reflecting from Friday's service and Sunday's service just about the incredible things that were happening at that time and what that all means to us personally. So we have gone from this place of not knowing to knowing that there's something special about Easter. And for those of us who have been Christians for a long time, this is a point in time where we can stop and reflect and remember what happened. Not forget, as Paul is telling us here, remember, don't forget where you were at, the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. And this is the only way that it could have been done. This act upon the cross, what Jesus did, was all foretold. It was all written down. For centuries, God had been giving the revelation to man and man had been recording that down as promises for us of what was going to come in the future. Now, Men didn't understand that. We twisted it and used it for our own purposes. But here it is, Easter. At the Passover in ancient Israel, God's doing his work to redeem us to him, making that sacrifice. The old covenant was fulfilled and wiped away and a new covenant was put in place. And we have the blood and the body of Jesus that now is our new covenant, that blood has made the sacrifice. God sacrificed his body upon the cross for us. And it doesn't matter where we came from, whether we were Jew or whether we weren't Jew. And when I say weren't Jew, whether we were church going in a church family, 
or non-church family coming from outside the church because we've, we've heard the message from somewhere else. Whether we're rich or whether we're poor, whether we're an Aussie, whether we're a Kiwi, whether we're Congolese, whether we're a Karen, whether we're a Brit or whether we're a Kiwi, it doesn't matter what your heritage is. Jesus did this for you. Jesus unites us all under his banner. One Jesus, one way, once and for all. That's what Easter was all about. That's what the cross was all about. Making that way for us to have that relationship with God. So knowing that, if you acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and submit to all of the things that he teaches us to submit to. Second important part of, of this message is to know that God wants to dwell within you. Now this, this, this shouldn't be glossed over in any means. This is really important. God wants to dwell in you. He wants to turn you into his temple, a place where he lives. This is the whole point of what Jesus did to unite us with him. This is what Paul is talking about at the end of the passage here, that you're being transformed into a temple. For those of us who are in relationship with God, acknowledging Jesus as our Lord, acknowledging Jesus as our Saviour, acknowledging that Jesus is the way to God, we're being transformed into dwelling places for God through his Spirit. Now, this is a huge work. It's ongoing throughout our whole life. And it's not that God doesn't dwell in us until at the very end of that development process. He moves in immediately. As soon as you make that commitment, he moves in. His spirit moves in. And then we're being built on. The temple in Jerusalem was being built on and transformed over the course of hundreds of years. And the temples of all of the other gods in all of the other regions are the same. They never stayed stagnant. They weren't just built and then that was it, game over. They were constantly being improved upon. New artworks put in them. They were being made more and more glorious to out-glorify the one down the road. We are being transformed to reflect more and more of God's glory as it's revealed to us, as we're being transformed more into his image so that we can better reflect him. But that happens immediately, immediately upon us accepting Jesus into our lives, acknowledging God as the centre of our universe. That's when he starts to dwell in us. The temple building project just goes on and on and he lives in us that whole time. That's, that's a really important takeaway. That's something that I really feel in my heart to emphasise from this passage. And finally, something that's been on my heart for a long time, and those of you who know me well in the church know that I'm, I'm a big one for pushing the whole idea of fellowship. The importance here cannot be understated about what Paul is saying in regards to us all being at peace with each other. And that is the labels that we put in our own lives our backgrounds, our histories, who we are and where we come from. It doesn't mean anything. Jesus means everything. Let him be the centre of all of our lives 
and he brings us all together in peace. That label that we put up on the top of the building, the Mount Gambier Baptist Church, everyone that's in there, live at peace with Jesus as our centre focus. Not letting our past history, our backgrounds determine our relationship with each other because it's Jesus that determines our relationship with each other. The same goes when we look into a wider community, be it Baptist, AOG, Church of Christ, whatever it may be. If we're all professing the same Jesus, then let us be at peace with each other. Let us all fellowship and worship God together as often as we can. Those combined services that we have on the fifth Sunday of every month in Mount Gambia, get along. Get along there and worship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. I really have felt for the last couple of months as I've considered this message that that was something that God really wanted me to, to present to the church and say to all of you, if you're going to church on Sunday morning at the Mount Gambier Baptist Church, you should be going to church for the combined services as well. And the same goes for whatever church you might be fellowshipping in. If you've got an opportunity to fellowship with brothers and sisters of Christ who just have a slightly different flavour of how they like to worship, but they still serve the same Jesus, then let's get together when we can and serve the same Jesus. And the whole world will see, because of the love that we have for each other, the love of Jesus. It's really important. It's really important. When I was a young fella, only 16 years old, I sat at a table in our kitchen and listened to a man who had been invited to my house, or to my family's house, to minister to us whilst we were in the middle of some conflict. We weren't at peace with each other. It was, it was a very stressed house, a very stressful environment. And I can't remember the things that the bloke spoke about as he ministered to my mother and, and the rest of my family, just talking through some of the issues that we all had. But I remember that at the end, he asked if he could pray. And he prayed to a God that I didn't know. And he prayed to a Jesus that I didn't know. And my heart leapt when I heard this man doing that. And all I could think for the next couple of weeks was, I need this Jesus in my life. So one night, a few weeks later, I lay in my bed and I prayed a simple prayer. I just said, God, I acknowledge you. God, I acknowledge that I've never acknowledged you before in my life, but I want you in my life now. I need you in my life now. God, please be in my life. That was the prayer that I prayed the night that I became a Christian. That was the night that God came and dwelled in my heart and he's been dwelling in my heart ever since. If you are listening to this message and it's in your heart that you need this God, you need this Jesus that is bringing peace, that he's talking, this fella here is talking about today, then I encourage you, don't hesitate. Pray that same prayer. Pray something similar, whatever it is in your heart. But ask God into your heart right now. Don't wait. I wish I hadn't waited a couple of weeks, but I'm glad that I didn't wait more than that because I've had a life full 
of Jesus, full of God. And it's not been easy, but it's had purpose and it's had meaning. And I've been at peace through all of that. Well, thanks, guys, for allowing me to come into your place, from my place, and uh, deliver to you the message this week. Hopefully you find something in here that is transformative and helps in the building process of your temples. So let's just pray now as we wrap up, and um, we'll return to the worship team in a moment for another song. Thank you, Father, for your Son, for making a way that we can be in relationship with you, despite the fact that we cannot be together today physically. We thank you that we can all still be together with you in spirit as one. And we look forward to the day that we can again return to our churches, return to places where we can join together in fellowship and praising of your name. Lord, we just ask in that that you would give our leaders wisdom to lead us properly, to not lead us down the wrong paths, Lord, and not to make wrong decisions for our nations that we will have to suffer consequences for for years unnecessarily, but that they would be wise and that they would do the right thing. Lord, we pray for the doctors and the researchers that they would have knowledge in order to find the cures and the vaccines needed to fight the COVID-19 virus that's plaguing the world at the moment. Lord, we ask that you would do these things soon, sooner rather than later. And of course, Lord, if it is within your will, we know that you can do these things miraculously, that you can, in the blink of an eye, remove this disease from our planet. So if it is your will, Lord, then we ask, of course, that you would do that. And Father... Keep us focused on you through all of the trials of our life, be it COVID-19 or be it the little, little things in our daily lives or the big things in our daily lives. Lord, keep us focused on you and keep transforming us into these temples that you dwell in and that we reflect your glory and that we give you all the glory and the honour in that process, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen.